whaia te iti kahurangi ki te tōhu koe mehe maunga teitei. The never-ending pursuit of the dream and the unquenchable thirst of excellence. E ngā iwi o te motu, e ngā reo, e ngā kārangaranga maha o te motu, no mai anō ki te hōtaka nei a te ahikā. I'm Justine Murray and this is Te Ahika on Radio New Zealand National. Coming up, according to 85-year-old Tinero Owen Akwira, the physicality of sharing today is much, much different than when he did it back in the 1950s. We were taught to share by the old shearers, you know, you do the last side first and you kept doing that for quite a number of days and weeks. And then, of course, it took a while before they let you do the whole sheep. But when you did it, my dear, if you could do 200, you were a gun shearer. Not like today, five, six, seven hundred. The other, the other time that we touch the sheep is when we, what they call tip crutching, or dragging them, you know, or crutching. We didn't do any, any second shearing until uh, uh, in, in the 50s, anyhow before we started to do another year, another season of Furious Sheep twice a year. Tiniro Owen Akwira, he's a bit of a character, coming up later in the show. And then we hark back to the golden ages of shearing, actually to the time when Tiniro was in the sheds himself. Te Puna Waikorero host Salwin Murupainga has a chat with Ngāti Poro shearer George Portai, who set up his own shearing gang in Milton, South Island. In 1969, he also won the Golden Shears. For George, the prize meant professional development. I come back from overseas with a lot of new ideas, and uh, the trip sure built up my self-confidence, and, and I was able to expand the business um, quite easily. All of, all of Great Britain was fantastic, meeting um, a lot of the people in the villages, and... Uh, and been able to have have a close look at their uh, social structure over there. You'll also hear Waiata written by Ngāti Porau Tweni Ngāwai relating to the shearing era of the 60s. On Monday Gone, Sounds Aotearoa, an expo really showcasing new and established Māori artists, wrapped up in Auckland. We've got a few Waiata from one of the performers, Tama Waipara. That's what's coming up in tonight's edition of Te Ahika. Te Ahika, Radio New Zealand National. When it comes to the agricultural sector in Aotearoa, you've probably come across the name Mavis Mullins. As the president of the Golden Shears, she's had that role since 2008. She and her husband also run Paiwai Mullins Shearing Limited. Two milestones, really, as president was the 50th anniversary of the Shears in 2011 and last year the World Shearing Championships, both in Masterton. The Golden Shears is a highlight on the calendar, not only locally but worldwide. It's a real whānau affair. But in its historical context, Māori in the area have been shearing for decades. This is... My umpteenth Golden Shears, although it's my fifth as um, the president of Golden Shears, but our whānau have certainly been involved for Golden Shears for probably the last 25, 30 odd years in one way or another. And so let's talk about your whānau. Where were you born, raised? Uh, where do you hail from? I, well, um, 
Ko rua hene te maunga, ko manawa tu te awa, ko rangi tāne nga atihau nui a paparangi uh, te iwi, uh, ko Mavis Mullins. So, Danny Burke born and bred, um, and we're from, you know, our background is in the rural sector as farmers, sharing contractors, uh, and for me, the last, oh, probably decade or so has been in a lot more in the governance role so um, with uh, a couple of quite large Māori corporations or Hongan corporations on the east coast um, northern Wairarapa and Atiho Nui Paparangi, the Atiho Corporation in the west so 25 years you mentioned is that how long the involvement from Māori corporations has, has been in the golden shares no, I would envisage uh, Māori have had a 53-year um, development phase with Golden Shares. And although, sharing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, our involvement, you know, our footprint in sharing goes back even further. We, we were the original, well, we are the original landowners. And with, of course, colonisation and, you know, the whole pastoral stuff, when we almost became less of the land managers we became the land service providers if you like so we were the shearers the scrub cutters the the fences all of that um so our history in this this industry goes way way back what, your role as president what does that entail and how did you become president yeah I, how did i become <laughs> i'm not quite sure of that one but um uh, as president i guess you know golden shares is run by 200 plus volunteers. We only have one paid employee who is our administrative person and the rest of us are volunteers. And I guess a, a lot of it is about that rural, those rural values, which Māori share actually, of um, uh, whanaungatanga, um, kaitiakitanga, you know, stewardship of all of those great things. So um, my biggest role as president is really rallying the troops. Um, everyone knows what to do, really, but it's making sure we're all pointed in the right direction and doing it all in the right order. But it is a big exercise. We share um, something like uh, 3,000 sheep over three days, approximately uh, four to 500 um, competitors who come from all over the world. Uh, and we try to entertain them and their whanau and their supporters <laughs> for the three days as well. So it's a, it's a big undertaking, but oh, it's, it's fantastic. So, Mavis, if you have um, one paid employee and, you know, there's a few volunteers, how, is this, how do you run this money-wise? We look for sponsorship. So, um, you know, we're out there, and in the primary sector at the moment, there's a lot of... Um, opportunity for real sponsorship to occur. We have some great sponsors um, who are not just in the rural sector. We had a record entry of novices the other day. Now, a lot of these young people don't even have bank accounts. They come and work for us. They, they haven't got the right kind of ID. <laughs> so they can't get a bank account. So the first couple of years of their life, their, their money is frittered. frittered. So to get a bank involved um, and to help our people at that early stage, you know, it's, well, we're hoping it's going to have the most positive impact for these people, regardless of whether they work for us or wherever, mm. whatever industry, it, matter, it won't matter. 
Yeah. For me, um, this is, I mean, this is my first Golden Shares, but I've heard that Māori really shine in sharing. What's your experience or take on that? Yep, and, and that's one of the reasons why we're here. You know, this is a whānau industry, and you will find competing here mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, aunties, uncles, and it is very much a whānau um, kind of a feeling. So that makes it important. Our people do shine. You know, we are skilled, adept um, craftspeople. You know, we're very good with our hands. Our hand-eye coordination is sharp. Our, our That competitive spirit that Māori have, it, it comes through. So uh, it is wonderful to see, and we've got some world champions here today, some of our own. Kia ora, Mavis Mullins. Another person I happened to bump into was 85-year-old Tinido Owen Aquira, and he proved to be very handy in explaining the techniques and lingo used on the shearing board. Board, by the way, is the raised board so that the wool handlers can clear the fleece away. I found that out too. I thought, what better way to cover the Masterton-based premier shearing competition than to meet someone who has been involved in shearing in some form or another for 60-plus years. I'm sitting here watching the Golden Shears and um, I've just happened to bump into a really lovely, lovely man. They, they tell me I, I, in Maori legend I, I used to ride the whales. That's what they tell me, I don't know. I've never ridden one yet. <laughs> oh, you're a hoot. So, Tinido, where are you from? You from us? I'm from, from a place called Homewood on the coast. Out here. That's where I was born and bred. But in Gully, in the, since 1970, I, because of secondary education for my kids, I had to sit in the town. Five of them. And of course, they went through college, and what happened after that? They all went to Australia. Oh, really? Yeah. And now I've only got my big daughter back here now. I lost two kids one to cancer and the other one oh, something yeah. else. Yeah. And um, you're, you're 85? I'm 85. What year did you start sharing? Probably 40, 46. Learn this year? Yeah, 46. Was it because your dad and your crow were dead? Aye, 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 aye. And of course, those days, you know, we were taught to share by the old shearers, you know, you do the last side first, and you kept doing that for quite a number of days and weeks. And then, of course, it took a while before they let you do the whole thing. But when you did it, my dear, if you could do 200, you were a gun shearer. Not like today, five, six, seven hundred. Mind you, you said we had 12 months of growth. Yes, so you talked about um, you only did it once a year. Only sure once a year. The other other times that we touched the sheep is when we, what they call tip crutching, or dagging them, you know, or crutching. We didn't do any any second shearing until uh, uh, in, in the 50s, anyhow, before we started to do another year, another season of shearing the sheep twice a year. We've come a long way since with the, the sheep, especially in the water up in here. You, you can tell by the sheep up there the condition they're in. You know, the, the farmers here know what they're doing. In spite of the weather being very dry, and it's getting drier, but we're, we're hanging in there. Every time I look up there and I, and I, I see see the, the uh, grades of shearers, you know, a lot of us are there. 
a lot of us. Yes. So does the weighted upper weather affect the sheep's wool? Oh, if, if, if it's too rough, it does. Yeah, if it's too rough, too wet. You got to wait, till, you know, two or three days. Like in the old days, you have to wait two or three days for it to dry out. Not like now. Half a half a day, you know, two or three hours, and with a with a wind around, they're dry. Short, short is only about that long. So, Tanito, can you tell that story again about why many Māori didn't go to the didn't go to World War Two? In the white and upper here, as, as I was saying, if you could shear, shear, shear sheep, you had no show of going with the material, not from the white and upper. Very few of us went, as I was saying, King Matthews, King Matthews and the fine right of the only two that are still alive today. The other ones was, as I was saying, was my old school teacher, Mr Napier, Tommy Power, Wadi Waka, and uh, Da Manuera. That's all. Going yeah. to the army was an experience, an overseas experience, and of course comradeship too. I went to Korea, Japan, Japan, and Malaysia. Well, that was in the 50s. So, you know, I, I did catch up after the style sort of thing. I, uh, I've never regretted it. I, I would love to have gone with a battalion. I had an uncle called Rangi Aquila. He went with, with, with the first echelon because he, he, why he went, he was an electrician and he went with the first echelon. The battalion wasn't formed then. He's buried in a place called Ugini in northern Italy. So, you, you know. so in the 60s you became a judge. A shearing. 64. 64. Yeah, yeah. And you got a little badge on that says <laughs> New Zealand official shearing yeah. 19... Oh, judge. Yeah. What did you used to judge? The actual... On the board. On the board. On the board, yeah. yeah. The points where, you know, if they leave little tufts of wool on it, cuts and so forth, there were, there were penalty points for those sort of things. Yeah, but I don't know what it is today, but I would yeah. assume that it'll be pretty well, maybe a bit more involved now to our time but it was great because Godfrey Bowen I met him in 1964 and it was great to meet the master of the world sharing today he's the master he said everybody out is here that's his style of sharing what you see here now and that's worldwide so, Tanino, you were talking about no, no, there were hardly any, no women back in your day no, sharing. No. Oh, no. But now things have changed, oh, eh? Yeah, Moving yeah. with the times. Yeah. See, even in the wool shed, you know? Yep. We only used to have the girls on the table doing the, doing the fleece and whatnot. Or even might be sheep, oh, you know, chasing the sheep into the pens. Not pressing, though. No, no. Do you know? Oh, no. Now, they're everywhere. Is that a good thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, heck yeah. Mom, Mom it's, it's just something that our people will always retain. They'll always keep it. Because we're all involved with it. You got it along before you hear the Komar to a chief's award on one side, the women on the other side, and the women in those days couldn't talk on the marae. They still can't too well in some places. They won't let them. Why? why? I have to wonder why. I mean, to say after all, if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. For real. Yeah. My wife has always walked beside me. And we were together for 60 years.
Waikato. Oh, okay. So tell me, um, who do you think are the best shearers in the world? Who's your favourite that you that you want to watch? Oh, well, they're, 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 they're all good here now. They're all good. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. Hey, dude. Give me, give me. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's busy working here, you see. That's Dookie Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Is he a shearer? Yeah. He, he used to share in Dubbo, Australia. Oh. But he brought his family got homesick and they came home. Oh, okay. But he still goes, eh? Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, as I was saying, today our, our women are side by side now. They will be side -less. You know what? Some countries the women still walk behind, eh? But not, not here. Mighty has always been beside me. And so I lost her four years ago. But we were together for six years. Karoha. Uh, so, you know. And she loves shearing? Did you meet in the shearing gang? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we both were. Yeah. My father had a shearing one year. Oh, yeah, for quite a few years. So, Nino, can you explain what's happening now? They're shearing now, yeah. Ah, uh, gold is your semi-final heat one. There it is up there. Yes. What's the fastest you've ever shorn a sheep? What is faster this one? No way, near it, dear. Do you know? Yeah. Faster. Oh, I wouldn't be knowing it. Look, they, they, they'd probably do three sheep to my one. <laughs> yeah. So at the moment I'm sitting here with Tinido in the um, Masterton uh, Arena. Now they share worldwide now. Yeah? yeah. Worldwide. So as Kenny Braddock now in out the hind leg he goes, he looks to be doing a good job from here. Tinido, what are those guys with the ties doing, the officials? What are they checking for? They're checking for cuts. And the little bits of all that are left around the legs, uh, what they call the hocks. The hocks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, any little bit of fluff, you know, uh, might miss a wee bit. And uh, all those are penalty points. Okay, so at the moment it's the Golden Shears Senior Shearing Semi Final Heat 2. It is uh, around about half past 10 in the morning. And. Uh, Obviously, throughout the day, they've got the different um, semi-finals happening. Tonight is the big night here at the Golden Shoes. Uh, it's run about, but the arena here is about 60% uh, capacity, so there's still quite a few, um, you know, vacant seats. But uh, apparently, I'm told that tonight is the big night of the uh, the Golden Shoes. So in front of me, I'm looking at the Golden Shoes stage uh, with uh, the a half a dozen women who are sitting um, or standing near the sheep clearing the wool while these six uh, semi-finalists are uh, shearing the sheep. And then next to the shearers are the six officials. Tanita, you were saying about the boys' physique. I mean, were you their age when you started? They look about oh. what? Eight, they look about 20. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was there, uh, actual fact, there was one one boy here, 16. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's a bit younger than me. I, they, they, we weren't allowed to share when you were too young. 
in my time, we had to, we were taught to either put the sheep in the in the, what they call the pen, chivo, or they let you do what they call the last side. And I'll show you what I mean by the last side when it comes up on there. Uh, but they wouldn't let you get on the board and, until you were about 20 because you, they, they felt that you weren't mature enough. Yeah. How fit do you have to be? Now? You you must have been pretty, ooh. Oh, I'm not compared to these fellas. Hey, mate. Hey, mate. Yeah. How long does it take to share a sheep now? Oh, oh. You're, 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 you're speed. Yeah, but oh, about a minute, minute twenty odd. Yeah, what? Oh, minute twenty. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh, thanks. Oh, about a minute, minute eight. Yes. Yeah. See what I was here? Take a look. I was, I was, <laughs> I was lucky if I could, could do 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 a bloody leg by that time. We even take a minute. <laughs> Good idea, mate. Yeah. Well, you see, the the they in in quarter of an hour. Uh, some, some of them can do six, seven sheep in quarter of an hour. In 15 minutes? In 15 minutes, oh yeah. Those, those are the guns. The body's working all the time. <laughs> What's the first to get sore? Eh? Which part of the body's the first to get really sore? Your arms. Well, yeah, well I don't know. Ours was our backs. Backs, eh? <laughs> True. Yeah. I don't know about now because, you know, you know a lot of these shares are thin. You look at that little fella yeah, here. Yeah, he was you tiny. Know, yes. You wouldn't think it was serious. Heck, no, our time we were all sizes, eh? Like, you know, short, stumpy. Heck, oh, look at me, I'm only uh, just over five feet. Heck, alone. <laughs> and of course, the kind we uh, used to eat those days was a little bit different. What kind of kind did you used to eat? Oh, I used to like the boiler, eh? Right? <laughs> well, you needed the energy, the carbs, the potatoes, the meat. Oh, yeah. Heck, alone. You would be burning it up. We used, to, we used to, those days you, you could get a lot of mutton, eh? And we used to. Heck yeah, chops in the bloody morning. Heck yeah. Heck, not like today, eh? You know, cornies and whatnot. Some wheat mix. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm here with Peter Lang. How are you? Good, thank you. Um, so, has it been busy? This is the first year I've been here for about uh, 12 years, probably. And I got invited back this year, so I decided to come. Why the long absence? Uh, you get invited by the show committee and uh, they have a roundabout of about three years on and it's my turn again. Peter, what does your job entail? Um, I'm a wool handling judge, so uh, we have judges on the board out the front and we also have judges out the back, which is what they call the dungeon and that's where the fleece and the oddments are judged. Uh, the board judging is just um, done on the board, uh, throws, making sure that the girls are taking, or the competitors are taking out uh, what is required to be taken out as the, as the fleece is shorn. Um, so there's a lot of different little things to look for. Uh, you judge the throwing the fleeces on the table, how much overhang there is, mm. and uh, all sorts of... Uh, little intricate little things about wool which uh, to the uninitiated doesn't seem very uh, important but to the people that do it all the time it is. So you must have to have good eyesight do you think? Um, or... Good eyesight, know where to stand and what to look for just to make sure that everything that should be taken out is taken out 
and the competitors get judged according to their uh, ability to do that. So Peter, for those people and for myself actually that don't quite understand the terminology, can you go through the process of explaining a lock, a belly, please? Um, a belly is uh, on the underside of the sheep, that's, that's what's taken off first when it's shorn, and a frib is usually a heavy yellow brisket type thing at the top of the belly, so they have to be separated. There's also socks which are on the bottom of the legs, um, and second pieces, well we'll go first pieces which are the bulky skirtings along the side of the um, fleece which are discoloured, and then the second pieces which is basically around the crutch area of the sheep or the backside. Backside. And um, there's different lengths, there's different lengths of those sort of oddment types and they have to be kept separate. So what makes a really good wool handler? What, what characteristics, what abilities do they have to bring to the table? And have you been impressed this year? Yep. There's, uh, well, there's a lot of competitors here at the Golden Shears and you get the cream of the crop as such, especially in the open and uh, the, the lower grades as well. You, you get a good echelon of good quality people in, in those fields. Um, yeah, there's good competitors here this year and what makes a good competitor is uh, organisation really on the board and how they set up, what their mm. processes are, know exactly what the shearer is doing at certain times when he's shearing the fleece, what parts are falling off so they have to be back there to, to grab those those parts of the fleece. Justin Murray, Radio New Zealand National here at Golden Shares in Masterton um, and I'm here with a, a couple of ladies who are wearing purple shirts. Could you explain where you're from please, or your name and where you're from? Josie Rady Rongonui and I'm from Masterton. Kia ora and Anna, I'm Missy Riddell and I'm from Carterton. Oh, we're the resident wool handlers so we look after the shearing, uh, the shearers that are on the board. Um, we're all tangata whenua, we're all from the Wairarapa, um, having worked in the industry for uh, quite a number of years and so we're here every year to just look after the shearers. Physically demanding? Oh, absolutely. Physically demanding, uh, hard work. Uh, you've got to be a bit of an athlete to do this job, uh, which they are, and, and we're here celebrating our athletes, our, um, uh, especially our Māori athletes. A lot of Māori work in the shearing mm -hmm. sheds, and um, what they're doing, the wool handling competition that's on now, is we're processing the wool, we're, we're separating the bellies from the fribs and the socks and the top knots, all different aspects of the sheep, of the fleece, and we're just sorting it into the different fadges and so it can go away to the wool buyer and the biggest buyer will get the wool. It's as easy the as... Better it's, the better it's processed, processed. the better uh, money paid for it. Now, Josie, I love the way that you describe them as athletes. Because I, I honestly haven't seen... Well, you know, in the cities, there's, you know, all the influences. But here, I've never seen so many very athletic, thin Māori men. I believe this is the most physical job in the world. I, I think I have heard that being quoted. Uh, yep, it's it's absolutely physical. <laughs> Very physical. Yes, and, and you can't see it um, to all our listeners out there, but the two women in front of me, are you've got a sweat on. So you've just had a gym. It's, it's like a gym workout, is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It's good. And the camaraderie is good too in this industry. And you can travel anywhere in the world to work. So, um, you know, a bit of a shout-out to our young ones. It's a, it's a good, hard living. Yeah. Take it up. 
This is a very whānau-oriented um, event, um, you know, from the mums to their kids to their uncles and aunties. Is that the, is that the case yes, with you is. both? Yep, we've got sons and daughters in the sharing shares. We've got sons that share and daughters that are wool classes and leading hands. And do and take up the shame piece. Yeah. Some of those daughters take up the hand piece as well. What does that mean, the hand? They can share, share. too. They can share. Women are doing everything now. They're sharing, they're pressing, they're wool handling. Fantastic. And so what is in line for the, this is the last day of the Golden Shares. How has the three-day event this year, 2013, been compared to previous Golden Shares? Every Golden Share year is awesome year for all of us, especially for for this industry. It's just really... This is the epitome of our wool handling circuit, I believe. The Golden Shares is the title that all the wool handlers and all the shearers want to win, and Masterton's the home of the Golden Golden Shares. Now, yesterday, was there the wool handling competition for the ladies yesterday? Yes, uh, how, how did that result go? We're still continuing on. We haven't named any finalists yet. Um, I believe the next heat that's coming up is the junior final yes, it is. of the wool handling. Those are our young up-and-coming coming. competitors. But, you know, Champions. we come here to perfect the work that we actually do in the shearing sheds. So if we come up here and we do everything right, process it here, it's going to go back into the sharing sheds and all, all good for the farmer. Mm, yes. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Boys, it's Corey Palmer down the far end. Just a little bit of work for these other shoes. For pictures of the golden shoes, you can hit our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash tiahika. All I want to know is what are you doing? That's all I want to know. All right, we're just tidying up the wall. What's this contraption? We put the wool in our presses here so that we can get it out of the way back to the store. Yep. So it goes back to the farmers. Yes. So all the wool basically comes off the shearing board and we just get it out, get it pressed away. Yeah, just got to make sure we get the right wool and the right branding yes. so it goes back to the right farmer. So that's just, is that normal? That's not uh, merino, is it? That's no, no, just the normal? No. Uh, that's uh, just a crossbred wool. And later on, in a few hours, we'll be doing a merino. Yes. And again, that just gets done the same, but put into different white uh, packs. So that we, uh, yeah, it all goes into a white one, different to this, because it's a fine wool. And so with the golden shears, how many of these would you press uh, over the three days? Well, around about 60, 60? 70. I think there's something like, is it three or four, three or 4,000 sheep? Over the three days? Shorn for the three days or something. Is it 3,000? Yeah, three and Three and a half. Thousand sheep. It's a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of sweat. A lot of sweat. They're at 190 k's, aren't they? Yeah, 180 to 200 kilos, kilos. the bales. But that there's easy. So yeah. you multiply that by five bucks a kilo. If it was worth five bucks, no, no, that's too high. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Two dollars fifty a kilo is what they're getting for yeah, that wool. Yeah. That's a crossbred wool, a merino wool. I don't know what that's worth. What's that worth? Well, they were talking about 100 bucks a kilo last night. So. Yeah, were they? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It varies a bit, but yeah. could be $100 a kilo. Mm. $100 a kilo. From the merino. Right, right. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Are you going to press that down soon? Uh, that one's not quite ready. Oh, okay. See the weight there. Oh. So that what tells us the weight. We've only got 15 kilos of it. 150. And you need to top yeah. it up to another 15. Well, I need about another yeah, 30 to 40. Okay, cool. Yeah.
Excellent. So we've got more of those coming when we start after tea. Okay, so I've just been at the back of the Golden Shoes with uh, Brian Drysdale and that was uh, Bruce Pankhurst. And what they were doing was that they were, obviously the wool that's collected here at the Golden Shears is then processed near the back or taken out the back and uh, is pressed. So there's a large uh, contraption that does that. And as uh, Bruce was saying, uh, there's around about 3,000 sheep here at the Golden Shears uh, over three days. Justin Murray, Radio New Zealand National, here with uh, Tinino Owen Akwira. And uh, he's been sitting here for most of the, the, the morning and, and the afternoon. And I've had a little, I've, I've cheated a little bit. I've actually had a bit of a break. The time now is uh, 25 past four. Kia ora, Tinino. Yeah, kia ora, my dear. So how, how have you enjoyed the day so far of the Golden Shears or the last day? Well... From the old shearer's point of view, there's no two ways about it. It's great. The thing is, they've got speed, and the shearers are built different to us. Yes, Gee, yes. they're slim. Gee, they're low, you know. And of course, they're strong, like the sheep. <laughs> you can see how the sheep works. Yep. No, it's been a good day from an old shearer's point of view. I'll never be able to shear as fast as this, never. <laughs> But I, I congratulate these boys for the things they've achieved over the years. No two words about it. Gee, they've really put sharing on the map. Now, Tanino, I've been talking to a few people here at the Golden Shears, and, you know, quite a few people know you. Yeah, And in yeah. particular, they know your father. Yeah, yeah. And your father ran a sharing gang yep. back, in the, back in the day, back in the dark. Can you tell me more about your dad? Well, my, 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 my dad was... Uh, sharing in the, in the forties just after the war and of course he took over from a guy called Peter Hore Paku from out 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 Homewood, Homewood Coast and he took over the gang and he had the gang we had three gangs six six years in one gang and four in the other two and you know keeping a staff like that going all for three to four months of the year wasn't easy you had to be in deep ardour uh, uh, with your money, with the farmers and so forth. But we were like a family, the Parker and the Murray alike. We never called that fellow a Murray boy. They know that was Bill and Jim. Same with the Parker boy. He called us the same too. Hey, how you going, boy? None of this, like, ooh, he's a Murray, that fellow. None of that. And we shared everything. Yep. We shared everything. Yeah. Side by side. Do you work side by side? Eh? You work side by side. Oh, yeah. Oh, heck, yeah. It was great. It was great. Dear God, yeah. Have a yard and whatnot when we have our smoker break and so forth. Have a cup of tea or something like that. Well, right now, you, you'll see. You can go into a wheelchair yourself. You'll see it or you'll hear it. One way they'll be on one station, the next one next to be on another station. Us out of time, we were lucky to have a radio. <laughs> <laughs> kia ora, there we go. Tiniro Owen Akwira. Ai, kia ora, hemihitine kia koe e tiniro. And earlier we heard from wool handling judge Peter Lang. 
Wool handlers Josie Reirirongonui and Missy Riddell and the wool pressers Brian Drysdale and Bruce Pankhurst. Now, the Golden Shears Open winner was 26-year-old Roland Smith, who went on to donate his prize money, $3,000, to cancer research in honour of his mum. Nā For photos of the event and links to information about all the winners of the sharing categories, you can find those links on our page, radionz.co.nz forward slash to get in contact, you can check in our Facebook page. It's easy as whānau ma, search tiahika or send us an email, tiahika at radionz.co.nz. Tama Waipara with his Waiata welcome to the show from his album Surplus and the Requirements. Words like fleecos, hefty Māori boss, pakanga and Harry Hoopinkoff feature in the Waiata what a Dopey Gang, written by Tweeni Ngāwai. She uses common phrases spoken in the shearing sheds in the 60s. Add to that, te reo Māori, the result, well, classic shearing waiata, and probably more well-known in Ngāti Porau. You'll hear it soon in this next archival recording with Salwan Murupanga and George Portai. George won the Golden Shears in 1969 and talked to Salwan about the opportunities it led to. The shearing scene in New Zealand has been dominated by Māoris ever since the industry was introduced into, into this country. There are Māoris in most shearing gangs the length and breadth of New Zealand. If they're not actually involved in shearing, then they are the fleecos, the cooks, or the general hands in the wool sheds. Many Māori women have also exiled themselves in this gruelling profession, which is usually the domain of black singleted males with strength and resilience of all black forwards. Perhaps one of the most interesting phenomenon stemming from this occupation is the fact that most of the huge shearing contractors are Māoris. The income of one Māori contractor during the last financial year came to over a million dollars. I was told that uh, there are even bigger ones around. To satisfy my own curiosity about this phenomenon, I talked with Mr. George Portai, a shearing contractor based in Milton, Southland. The name Portai is synonymous with shearing. His father and grandfather before him were both legends on the East Coast and in Kennedy's Bay on the Coromandel Peninsula, where Mr. George Portai grew up. It's been claimed the most genuine folk literature traditions of this country sprang up amongst shearing gangs. The genius of Māori song poems, the late Tweeni Ngāwai, who worked in the woolsheds, composed numerous songs with a mixture of both Māori and, pa- and Pākehā, bringing out the humour, the pathos, and a whole variety of human hopes and aspirations in her compositions. What a dopey gang Mō te huke o the tide a boomerang Ka karanga ki Ngā plisas Māria maiheta Harry who 
contract uh, shearing and other business enterprises. How did it all begin for you? Oh, well, it's, uh, it all began after um, I left St. Stephen's and uh, went away in a shearing gang down Hawke's Bay and learnt to shear, I guess. In 1969, you won the Golden Shears. What avenues did that open up for you? Oh, at the time, I was already a shearing contractor in South Otago. But after the trip that went, that was part of the prize for winning, I come back from overseas with a lot of new ideas. And uh, the trip sure built up my self-confidence. And, and I was able to expand the business uh, quite easily. Which countries impressed you, George? Um, well, they all impressed me, but um, uh, especially Great Britain. All of, all of Great Britain was fantastic, meeting um, a lot of the people in the villages and, uh, and being able to, have, able to have a close look at their uh, social structure over there. You do belong to a, a shearing family tradition, I believe. Yes, my father and uncles all were all shearers and brothers. Yeah. George, could you describe an ordinary day um, in terms of, you know, shearing gang? Oh, an ordinary day, oh, well, they most of them get up about half past four, have a cup of tea and start shearing about five. And the gangs consist of... Uh, Four to, four to eight shearers, same number of shed hands and a cook, presses. And then they work about four two-hour runs and have meals in between that. <coughs> and a few refreshments after work, then tea, then bed. If they're working again next morning, they always go to bed early. And that's about it. What are the essential attributes to, uh, to make a good shearer? Um, shearers to me come in all shapes and sizes and I think it's just a matter of application um, some are big, some are small and I think a lot of it is to do with rhythm and uh, and eye and willingness that's about all Can you single out any race that has a natural, ryth a natural rhythm for it? Oh yeah, our race are, are all, all natural shearers um, the main difference being in their in their hand, the way they hold a handpiece seems to be so much softer and lighter. 
and this way they're able to shear a lot with their hand without using all their... Uh, they find it easier, I think Mary's find it easier to shear. True. There's artistry then. Yeah, it must be, I think, yeah. There are several Māori people in the very big league of, of shearing contracting. There's Ben Couch, the MP for Wairarapa, and another Māori in Danivak, I can't recall his name, and others. Why are Māori succeeding so well in this type of business venture? I think there's been tradition with Māori's to, to do shearing ever since it started. They've had a happy knack of being able to do it, and then they've been able to, some of them have been able to organise their people into a gang, and then, then into several gangs, and it's gone on from there, from passed down from generation to generation. And um, could say too also that there's not much capital needed to start off contract shearing. I believe you have approximately 160 people shearing for you. What sort of rapport do you have with them? Oh, pretty good. This is this is why I've got so many, I suppose. Um, have to be able to talk to them all, and be on the same wavelength. I suppose, although I have gangers in charge of each gang, and naturally I have more contact with them than than uh, the rank and file. Although I can, uh, a contractor has to be able to speak to every one of the staff and get their confidence and, and be human as possible with everyone. What is there about a Māori businessman that uh, differentiates from a Pākehwan in terms of your business, contracting? Um, oh, well, it's hard to say, but in, in my own case, uh, I seem to be able to get to know the people better, be able to get more out of them, I suppose. Well, they, we, they, we seem to build up a good, happy gang at most times. I sort of know what the, any problems that might come up within a gang, sort it out before any problems do come up. There's always problems uh, of compatibility within gangs and you have to make sure that the people you have together are going to get on especially working under the uh, the real tensions from sh sometimes a lot of tensions builds up in shearing if they're working day after day in the heat it's pretty hard on them and I think if you know your people you have to get to know your people and sort it out from there George you're based right down in Milton in the deep south are there many um, of your workers from the North Island? Yes, yeah, seasonally there's a lot. Um, our busy season down south 
coincides with the slack season in the north, so consequently they just travel backwards and forwards. When they run out of work here at Christmas, that's when our main shearing starting down south. And um, a lot of our people just head for Wellington to catch that ferry and get down Targa Southland as quick as they can. Kia ora. In archival recording, Selwyn Maru Painga there interviewing George Portai, who won the Golden Shears in 1969. And you also heard a few waiata written by Ngāti Parau Tuini Ngāwai. A neira a tiare teina kore with this week's Whakatauki. Whaia te tikahurangi, ki te tōhu koe mehe maunga teitei. The never-ending pursuit of the dream and the unquenchable thirst of excellence. Uh, this is the Fakatoki that myself and my kapahaka group lives by, um, whether it be kapahaka, whether that be your mahi, whether that be whānau, I suppose um, it's just striving for excellence in everything that you do and to never settle for second best or to never settle. Whāia te tikahurangi ki te tuohu koe, mehe maunga teite, the pursuit of excellence. Kia ora, tiare teina kore. She took out Te Manukura Wahine, that's best female leader at this year's Te Matatini in Rotorua. Her kapahaka group, Te Tikahurangi. We'll also talk about studies and balancing whānau. That's up next week. Kai te tuku mihi ahau ki a koutou katoa ngā kai whakarongo mō koutou tautoko. Ki ngā kai rā wikiwiki mihini, ngā mihi. Hoki mai hei tērā rātapu, mai te whanua te ahi kā ki a tātou katoa, mauri ora.